Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. Monsters. Originally nice. released in Japan as Dragon Quest Monsters <laughs> Terry No Wonderland. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a pretty good pretty good click today. Well, I got FEI World Equestrian games. So hmm. <laughs> I That's think we'll be going with your dragon. I suppose so, though to our credit, Wiki- I mean Wikipedia is smiling upon us today. We had two <laughs> Relatively non-town-based uh, options, <laughs> which is a very unusual way to start the podcast. Yeah. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the most interesting episode <laughs> of the show from the onset so far. Wow. Okay. Okay, so what is this thing? Well, it was what's, originally... What's the name of this? Oh, oh, oh right, right, right. It is the Dragon Warrior Monsters. If you wish to follow along, that's where we will be starting today. Dragon Warrior Monsters. Yes. Very good episode title beginning. Yes. Let's can see only where hope. we take this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So it's the first episode. It's the first video game in a uh, eventual series of video games. Okay. Uh, we haven't had video pod. games in a while. Yeah, we really haven't. It's been a very long time. I think the first couple episodes we yeah. were in single digits last time we were dealing with a video game. Uh, it was released in Japan by Enix on September 25th, 1998. Uh, co-published by Eidos Interactive in Europe and in 1999 and in North America in 2000. Hmm. It was released for the Game Boy Color before the console itself was released. However, the cartridge is backward compatible with the older Game Boy consoles in black and white color. Oh, that's cool. So this would have been before it became before Enix uh, merged with Square. Yeah, to become Square I Enix. So. It's interesting that they both partnered with Eidos, though, because I remember in yeah. the beginning of Final Fantasy games, which has always been a SquareSoft title, mm-hmm. that they partnered with Eidos interactive a lot for like Final Fantasy 7 yeah. and Final Fantasy 8 at least. Hmm. So that's kind of a, kind of an interesting partnership. You kind of start to see things coming together even back then. Yeah. I'm assuming this is some type of RPG-ish. It certainly sounds like it should be. If it isn't, I'm kind of going to be disappointed. <laughs> oh yeah, here it is. Genre is role-playing. Ah, yeah. It just sounds like that kind of game. It does. It doesn't Monsters, 
you know. I think you'd be really startled if it was a first-person <laughs> shooter or a puzzle game. <laughs> if you picked it up, and <laughs> that was what you got. Dragon Warrior Monsters. Every, all three of those words relate to exclusively to RPGs. RPGs. There's no way around it at that point that you must be doing something with an RPG. <laughs> uh, the game features characters from uh, Dragon Quest VI. The characters' names are Terry and Millie, and apparently in Dragon Quest VI, they were children uh, before the events in... What? Oh, wait. So, no, that's saying that they are children in this game, oh, which takes place before Dragon Quest VI. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, that makes way more sense. <laughs> My fault. Uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters is often compared to Pokemon. Oh, nice. Yeah. Similar gameplay, they say. Yeah, they, uh, critics set the games apart by noting the in-depth breeding system seen in the game. Oh, so this game actually was a little bit ahead of the curve with the whole breeding thing, because they did do that in Pokemon eventually, just not right off the bat. Yeah, this is starting it off strong. Oh, okay, so... Um, the game follows Terry as he attempts to save his sister. And instead of fighting in battle, Terry is able to recruit monsters into his party. And then fighting ra- then when fighting random battles, Terry can set out meat, which may coax the monster into joining the party at the end of the battle. And then he can breed two monsters, combining them into a new, stronger monster. And excess monsters can be placed on the farm storage place for monsters so they can't grow while they're on the farm um, they can't like level up or anything but he can swap them out at any time it says that there can be 19 awake and 19 asleep monsters at any one time A monster's wilderness level lowers as Terry trains them, which makes them more likely to participate in a battle. By leaving monsters at the farm awake, they become more wise. (laughs) Wow, so all the monsters in this game can carry a maximum of eight skills, but as I recall it, Pokemon games only let you have four skills per Mm. Pokemon, so... That's uh, kind of an improvement, being able to do more stuff per monster. Yeah, after eight skills, then you just start replacing old ones with new ones if if it gains any more. Interestingly, this game allows you the option of not just having a boss, but some bosses in the game offer to join your player's party automatically. Huh. Some you can win over with meat. (laughs) And some will not join at all. But the math of the options there is kind of cool. Yeah, that's neat. Didn't see that too often. Though I guess like in Pokemon, you kind of had that option too. Mm. Though the bosses were really more the trainers there. Not right. necessarily. Yeah. Pokemon most of the time, you're kind of like okay, I'll just, if I need to, I'll just kill it. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> and that'll be it. Yeah, so in this one, you're jumping through different worlds, basically. Through warp gates. Kind of like Stargate. Yeah. This game sounds way more advanced than Pokemon. <laughs> like, there's so much more going on from the onset. Okay, so here's the basic story. In the days before Dragon Quest VI, when Terry and Millie were just children, 
A strange monster appeared one night and snatched Millie away. Soon after, another monster, similar to the kidnapper, appeared and told Terry his sister was kidnapped by the evil Waraboo. He informs Terry that his name is Wataboo and must accompany him to the kingdom of Great Tree. After his arrival, Terry met the king and received Slib the Slime, his first monster to train. If Terry wins the Monster Trainer's Starry Night Tournament, he will be granted a wish. So Terry sets out with his team to explore the many monster dungeons to win the tournament and rescue his sister. You get... You get... <laughs> slime? <laughs> they bring you to a kingdom, and they, like, welcome you in. They're like, hey, so you want to survive in this world? All right. Here's this. Here's this slime. So good, good luck, good luck out there, buddy. <laughs> See you later. That's just this is rude. They have better monsters like mm. Slib the Slime. Yeah, you feel like they would give him like their best monster at the onset. They just <laughs> don't want him to succeed. I mean, let's look at the names of the antagonist and the protagonist here. We have Warubu, who is the bad guy, and Wadabu. Wadabu. The boo, boo. <laughs> He's the good guy. So, uh, I don't really vest a lot of stuff that Wadaboo has the best interest. I feel like Wadaboo <laughs> and Waterboo are probably bros. Like, they well, look like they're bros. Probably like um, Mario and Wario. Oh, that's true. That's, if you switch if you switch one letter around, <laughs> you know. That's all you need to do. That's, all, that's it. That d- discerns their entire moral <laughs> compass. Yeah, this sounds like a mishmash of Pokemon, Mario, and Mortal Kombat. Yep, pretty much. And uh, it was very well received because of its uh, various mechanics. Uh, It actually, at the time, was heralded as having Pokemon-like mechanics, but better. Mm. And... uh, Largely, it was a good way for people at the time to kind of tie themselves over until Pokemon Gold and Silver came out, because (laughs) this game already had all of the features that Pokemon Gold and Silver was eventually (laughs) going to introduce. Uh, So if you really want, if you were itching for it, it's already out. It was already out. Hmm. Um, So largely, you have a. 8 or 9 out of 10 rating on this game with uh, a lot of a lot of acclaim going on here. They even remade it for uh, the 3DS. And the 3DS remake sold 513,000 copies in the first week. That's impressive. <laughs> it's it sold so well and the series became so popular. That as a promotion, fast food franchise McDonald's gave away a Slannin Purple, which I can only assume is a monster in the series, uh, on May 31st, 2012, in Happy Meals to those who had copies of the game. And on June 9th, they gave away a, another monster, I suppose, Lamia. Uh, this monster being from Dragon Warrior 3. So, yeah. Pretty pretty well known apparently. So I wonder, is Dragon Quest 
directly a part of this series in like in that it um like mechanics wise do you think i feel like this is probably a sidebar type thing um, yeah like definitely with the same like characters and maybe even the same monsters uh, you would fight yeah in i guess that game. this game does kind of introduce like Hey, there's, you know, monsters and right. stuff like that. Monster capture and training yeah. rather than training just, like, yourself and your own skills. Yeah, I get, so I get, this would be more of, like, a Final Fantasy tactics to normal right. Final Fantasy. Yeah, basically. So it's interesting to see that there were a lot of franchises going pretty much the same direction at that point yeah. in time. Um, Pokemon, of course, being entirely that from the onset, but it wasn't the, it wasn't alone. Like other yeah. RPGs were starting to head for that kind of more tactical feel too. I wonder how many of these games they made. What, it says uh, it says uh, Dragon Warrior three, so they must have made at least three of them. Dragon Quest monsters. And there's a link to the series itself. I don't know anything. Do you want to check out the? series hmm or jump over to Pokemon or see what else Enix was doing at the time we could we could see we could learn about the Happy Meal there's a link to Happy Meals <laughs> uh, we could learn about learn about the cartridge the system of the original Game Boy <laughs> Gometsu Magazine hmm there's actually a lot of really intriguing choices. Yeah. I don't see anything particularly uh, standout-ish. The closest thing is probably that thing about Happy Meals kind of just being thrown in there. <laughs> but somehow I feel full of McDonald's today. I don't know why that might be. Um, yeah, let's go see what Eidos was doing at the time. That might be pretty interesting. Eidos, okay. Yeah, former British software technology developer, now operating as a Square Enix Europe. Yeah, it's a subsidiary of Square Enix. It was founded in 1990, and prior to its best-known games, Eidos developed full-motion video compression techniques, or FMV techniques, on platforms such as the Acorn Risk computers of the early 1990s, which... I don't know what those are, but <laughs> probably some sort of British thing. Yeah, they did. I really am starting to remember seeing this yeah. splash mark for a reason now. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. Uh, they are best known for Tomb Raider, Hitman, Commandos, Deus Ex, Legacy of Cain. Thief, Time Splitters, and Fear Effect. Yeah, that's a pretty impressive back catalog. Strange. They don't really have, like, a... Under their history section, it starts at 2004. Yeah. Apparently they didn't do anything (laughs) until then. For being founded from 1990, I know they were making Tomb Raider games in the 90s. Like, you can't lie to me about that. Why would you start in 2004? It starts with their takeover by CSI. Why would you start the history of a company with a takeover? (laughs) You're starting at the end. 
somebody needs to work on this article. A little bit. Well, neat. On March 21st, 2005, Eidos received a takeover bid from the Elevation Partners, the private equity firm owned by former Electronic Arts president John Ricciatello. And with a number of notable partners, including U2's lead singer, Fano. That's <laughs> very strange. It is indeed. He is one of the last people I would expect to be involved in video game Yeah, like anything. <laughs> but he apparently was involved with the same private equity firm that owns <laughs> owned EA, so that's that's something. He received a second takeover bid from SCI Entertainment. They offered slightly more, about $4 million more. Now, SCI didn't have that money just laying around, so they sold 60 million pounds worth of stock, roughly $120 million U.S. Hmm. Yep, then Elevation Partners just withdrew its offer, and they are like, well... CSI, SCI is the only one. <laughs> so, SCI took over. Idos laid off a vast majority of its employees. <laughs> and, uh, but then an odd move happened in February of 2007. Idos announced they would open a new studio, despite having just laid off all those people, <laughs> in uh, Montreal, in Quebec, in Canada. Mind you, these people are based out of London, so that is a <laughs> bit of a jump for a company that's already failed so yeah. far so far as to be purchased. Um, but the thing about Eidos in Canada is that it was responsible for new, undisclosed, next-generation projects, which would later uh, become games in the Deus Ex franchise. Hmm. Well, and then in 2007... Eidos acquired Rockpool Games and its two sister companies. So then... <laughs> How does a company owned by another company still have another... Still have enough buying power to... Whatever. All yeah, right. I don't know. It's, it's only like two years after the takeover that they're already like, all right, let's start buying up other companies. Yeah, like, wait, hold on, hold on, go back. You, were, you weren't good enough to make it on your own, and now you're... All right. Dude, you do you, I guess. You do you. Oops. It looks as though there may have been a reason for Eidos being able to get away with that kind of purchasing power, though. Eidos's parent company was not the most responsible parent. Kind of a negligent parent, actually. When Eidos's parent company, SCI, revealed in uh, 2008 that its losses were at 100 million pounds... <laughs> Uh, new CEO Phil Rogers claimed this was only due to reconstructing plans. On the 19th of September 2008, Eidos opened a Shanghai-based studio <laughs> consisting of a small team to build up relations in Asia. On the 3rd of December, SCI changed its name to Eidos PLC. <laughs> the name of Eidos prior to the SCI takeover. Huh. And also change its London Stock Exchange ticker symbol from SEG to EID. So it's almost as though Eidos was eaten by a beast and then burst out from within its belly. 
pretty impressive. That's why they were buying up the other companies secretly. <laughs> they were just like getting bigger, getting ready to burst out of there. <laughs> and then in 2009, Square Enix uh, purchased Eidos for 84 million pounds. And they officially took over in April of that year. Oh, and they actually um, basically let Eidos do its own thing and didn't bother meddling in their internal affairs. Although they don't really want to release release any further games under the Eidos label. Mm. And they haven't, so... <laughs> <laughs> One of their studio's names is Beautiful Game Studios. That one's in London. That sounds aspirational. I like that. I think my favorite, though, and not for any particularly woody reason, is Eidos Hungry. <laughs> because it's in Hungary. And you can always make a good Hungry fun. Sorry, Hungry. Well, they were hungry for other studios. They sure were. <laughs> they kept eating, eating, eating them up. Well, as... This, this whole history thing was kind of a letdown. Yeah. You can go to the list of the Eidos games from here and see yeah, uh, what what's in there. I'm sure at the very least there will be a good selection of things to um, make a good title for this episode. There should <laughs> be. Okay. So, what I did was I, when I clicked that list, I went over to the tab first release, and I sorted everything by date uh, to see what they did first. There you go. Here's the weird thing. The first title that's on Wikipedia is Championship Manager 2. <laughs> I just started out making a sequel huh. to a game. I feel like that game sounds almost like you're managing like a tournament and it's like sim city but you're just kind of like building this little tournament and running everything and yeah you're not actually participating in the fun part of it to me it sounds like if you were actually managing just like the championship all you would be doing is like sitting. You, you, it would be like a simulation of you sitting around for like a year, waiting for <laughs> the next sports season to conclude, and then you would have your championship. Like you would have one day <laughs> in the game where everything that you have to like worry about in your entire life you do, and then you're done for an entire year, and you just sit back, you sit back, and you're like, "Well, it's all real time. It doesn't let you do anything yeah. except for a specific date." Turn on your, you turn on your Game Boy. The screen's black. Is it this date? No. It's it's only the release date. Yep. It, it's There's say it's released on uh, September twenty second. That's the only day of the year. So you have to buy it opening day yep. to play it, and then you have to wait a year to play it again. You have to beat it in that day. If yeah. you don't beat it that day, <laughs> it goes away. The option is gone. It's game over. And then you've been fired, and then you can't play the game at all. Yep. Anymore. You gotta you gotta keep it up. You gotta show up that one day a year. <laughs> you gotta set a timer. It's like the world's worst Tamagotchi. <laughs> and then their their next game doesn't sound much better. Orion Burger, which just sounds like you're managing a fast food franchise. In space. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. If it was Onion Burger, though, that would be worse. Because <laughs> like, that's just like a condiment on top of a burger. <laughs> you're just trying to place onions on burgers. Yep. 
That's your job. <laughs> you're that guy in the assembly line. You're the guy who puts the onions on the burgers. You just you're just staring at a screen of a conveyor belt yep. and you have a hand and you move your mouse around and then you put down onions as soon as a burger crosses Whoa, the conveyor belt. Hey. For nineteen ninety six, that's some advanced <laughs> technology right there. Lifelike in its simulation capacity. <laughs> they came out with a game called Crime Wave. Isn't that the name of a Coen Brothers film? Yes. Well, they wrote it, Sam Raimi directed it. Right. Have to wonder if that isn't related. Hmm. It would have been around that time. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, they created a game called Swagman. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is no link to that uh, one, but. Of course. I know, right? What a letdown. There's been somebody working at that <laughs> studio that was just very into, like, he must have been from our time. It's the <laughs> only thing I can figure, because there's another game called Chill. That's Mad Chill. Yeah. And they actually, they did release Tomb Raider, the original, in 1996. Oh, okay. And an Incredible Hulk game in something called Johnny Bazooka Tone. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. And they released a game based on Ripley's Believe It or Not. That seems like a weird thing. To I make don't know a how you of. can make a game of that. I don't think you because that's just a Believe It or Not. <laughs> you do or you don't. Yeah. Pass fail. <laughs> Maybe it's just showing you pictures of things. Do you believe this exists? Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to if you guess wrong. Then yeah, you you lose. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Uh what else do they have here? Anything else that sounds Test Drive, off road. It's just going on test drive. It's it's you take the car right. out of the off, uh, off out of the lot and you're trying to do a nice little test drive, but then you take it off road and yep. the uh car salesman is like, Hey, what are you doing? We're not you- supposed to go off road. <laughs> You can't Get do this. Get this back to this, the lot. And it's, it was revolutionary <laughs> because of the chastising comments. <laughs> they, they, the, it seemed as though the driver, the, the, the dealer, every time he took the car around, had a new set of very derogatory <laughs> things to say to you after five minutes into the trip when you were off-roading. <laughs> so it was uh, revolutionary for the time. Of course, there's also Final Fantasy VII, mm. uh, which we all know and love. If you don't love it, I actually haven't <laughs> met a person that doesn't love it. Like, if they yeah. play that game, they like that game. Yeah. Just one of those games. There's also something called Terracide. Like, I the guess. Death of Land. <laughs> There's Death Trap Dungeon. Sounds cool. There's the uh, Walt Disney World Quest Magical Racing Tour. <laughs> Ooh, Sword of the Berserk Guts' Rage. <laughs> they did the game Ooh. for uh, Chicken Run. They also did Power Stone. Oh, they did Power Stone? Yeah. I love that game. Am I thinking of the right game? Is that really what I it's think? It's the Dreamcast fighting game. Yeah. And there's yeah. you hit people and the stones that. come out yep. and you get the stones and you <laughs> get superpowers. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that game. That game was awesome. Love Power Stone. They also made Power Stone too. I didn't know that yeah. was them. They wow. made a game called Hurdy Gurdy. Did they? They did. Wow. 
Oh man, we could end That's this. That's a throwback. Oh man, <laughs> wouldn't that be a title for the episode? Yeah. End on hurdy gurdy. Hurdy gurdy. <laughs> I didn't realize that Deus Ex came out in 2000. That seems. I thought way... it was more recent. Yeah, I thought it was newer. There's a good game called uh, Backyard Wrestling. Don't try this at home. <laughs> nice. There's also Mr. Mosquito. There's a game called Swingers Golf with a Z. <laughs> but oh, I think I remember seeing that game. Really? I haven't played it, but I remember seeing that case in stores. I don't know why they would choose to stylize that Swingers with a Z at the end. Because to me, that almost makes it... Like, I think the intention was to avoid the comparison to them <laughs> being, like, reference to, like, the adult decisions type of swingers. Right. But to me, the Z makes it more that. Yeah. <laughs> than it makes it golfers. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But I'm pretty sure that's, like... Yeah, it kind of kinks it up a bit. Yeah. I don't know why. It doesn't really need to, it doesn't really need to be that way. So... <laughs> um, ooh. Singles. Flirt up your life. <laughs> I'm not and kidding. <laughs> That's the name of a game. And another game called Get On Dumbike. Backyard Wrestling 2. There goes the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, shoot. They did Lego Star Wars. What? Yeah. So there wasn't one company making all the Lego games? I guess not. I guess they divvied it up. Huh. Which makes sense, because there was a lot of Lego games coming yeah. out at one time. Like, I feel like one production house couldn't have handled it at all. Yeah, that's true. Though I do remember Lego Star Wars being one of the better ones. Mm. It let you play through pretty much with the entire story of Yeah, I guess at that point, that was 2005. That would have been all the movies were out by then. Yeah, all six. But yeah, I think, it, um, I think that one did play through all of them. Albeit a uh, bit of an abridged story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... They came out with a game in 2008 called Top Trumps Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, they, uh, Bionicle Heroes. That sounds like more Lego. So they weren't the only people doing Lego, but they weren't doing only one Lego thing. Hmm. Oh, they also did Kane and Lynch, Dead Men. And of course, Canaan Lynch 2, Dog Days. <laughs> the most recent game. Wait. Says it's incomplete list, but most recent game on this list is Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light. Oh, shoot. There's Batman Arkham Asylum. That's a pretty substantial thing. I would yeah. be willing to bet they probably did Arkham City, too, and they're just not very mm. up to snuff on this list. Yeah, it could be. Ooh, they also did a game called Monster Lab. Well, now that we've had our fun and our little nostalgia trip, <laughs> we should probably choose one of these to go to. Yeah. Well, one interesting thing is that they only made... Dragon Warrior Monsters. They didn't make any of the other Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior games. Yeah. That was it. Huh. Well, I mean, I would be willing to go over to Hurdy Gurdy if you want to. <laughs> you know what? Let's go. 
see what hurdy gurdy is. Oh. Oh my. Wow. That was not at all what I expected, <laughs> knowing what I know now about hurdy gurdies. This doesn't look anything like the hurdy-gurdy. musical instrument with a similar name. Although we can get to hurdy gurdy from this article. <laughs> we sure can. Um, And from there we could get to persecuting musicians (laughs) (laughs) Okay, alright Let's do this thing Hurdy Gurdy We're back Hurdy Gurdy Do you remember us? Did you miss us Hurdy Gurdy? We're here for you See what we can relearn about Hurdy Gurdy Yeah uh, it, it's a term from the 18th century, uh, allegedly is onomatopoeic in origin because of the sound the hurdy gurdy makes. Remember that fact, don't you? I told yeah. you before. I'll tell you again. This is, this is a uh, clip show. Yeah, yeah. Basically, this is it. Episode 100. The clip. Well, we're not quite at episode 100, but yeah. You know what? Doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Ah, here we are. <laughs> hey, Eric. Did you know that there was a time in the mid-20th century Europe where uh, there were a lot of blind street musicians? And and, and most of them were, were purged by, by Stalin. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's really weird. It's There's a whole link to it, too. Uh, uh, persecuted banderists. Wow. Right? Like, what What could we... Hmm. Hmm. Well, I think we have to go there. That seems pretty, you know, intriguing. Wow. They were called Cobzars. Cobzars were primarily in Ukraine. And they traveled between towns and sang Dumas. <laughs> like the Duma Duma dance. Dumas. Duma Duma Day. Duma 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 Day. A meditative poem song. Hmm. They were usually blind, and they required the completion of a three year apprenticeship in specialized Kabzar guilds in order to be officially recognized as such. So they gathered blind people up from the streets. They took them into schools. They gave them a mostly useless instrument. <laughs> and then they sent them back out into the streets only to annoy people and profusely. <laughs> to the point where they were like, all right, we're going to kill all of you. This is really... Out of hand. There's way too many of you out there making all this racket. In order to be in 1932, under the order of Stalin, the Soviet authorities called all Ukrainian Kabzars to attend a Congress <laughs> in Kharkiv. <laughs> As they arrived, oh were immediately taken out of the city and were all put to death. <laughs> how many times I hear that sentence? <laughs> Just... <laughs> It's the cruelest and most morbid scene I think I could have anticipated in all history. You have all these blind, unsuspecting guys playing instruments on their way into a town. And then 
They just kill you. They kill all. They just like round you all up in one place, and they all just take you out. And, and then just, that's it. It's just such an overreaction. It's, it's so absurd. Like why? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just can't even imagine. I don't. The thing. <laughs> The thing about this is, is like, you want to blame Stalin. You're like, okay, well, Stalin was a really bad dude. He killed tons of people. Like, sure, he would kill the Banderists. He killed everyone. Here's the thing. It wasn't just him. <laughs> Russian Tsars in the 1870s, like, as soon as the hurdy-gurdy was invented, these guys were playing it. And as soon as these guys were playing it, <laughs> Russians hated them. Because... In 1876, under Imperial Russia, with the publication of the M. Zukaz, stage performances by Kamsars and Banderists were officially banned. Paragraph 4 of the decree was specifically aimed at preventing all music, including ethnographic performances in the Ukrainian language, and as a result, blind professional musicians such as the Kamsars turned to the street for their sustenance. So, because of some sort of cultural, like, crackdown, the Russians were basically saying, okay, well, we own you now, Ukraine, so, you know, that whole culture thing? Yeah. <laughs> Pipe down with that. And, as such, these people who used to have an official and, I guess, sort of, like, meritous uh, rank in society and culture in some way, shape, or form, were reduced to being homeless people out in the streets. Like... It was their own fault that they were homeless people on the streets annoying everyone. <laughs> and it wasn't even limited to just that one event of killing them, because in 1918 to 1920, a number of banderists were shot by Bolsheviks after the October Revolution during the Russian Civil War. Like, they were really, really like, annoyed. Like, these... I feel like... These blind street musicians were the equivalent of Jews in Nazi Germany. They had to be, even though <laughs> there's like it's such a unique niche thing. Yeah, it's just a bunch of blind dudes with who happen to know how to play hurdy gurdies. <laughs> like, what what in the world is this even about? And, and not only that. They had these really, like, it was almost like they were teasing them with their genocide. Yeah. Because in 1902, after the Tsars were around, they had a little special delegation sent out that said, okay, don't stop, stop killing these guys. And then, of course, as soon as the October Revolution happened, they started killing them again. But in 1923, they said, okay, 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 no. Soviet power is entrenched. Ukraine, Ukraine is definitely not a threat. Just, you know, don't don't worry about it. Now, the problem with that is, is that people were really annoyed by these guys before, and as soon as you said it was okay, <laughs> during that time, as soon as you said it was okay, right after 1923, the popularity of Bandura, and it, it grew considerably, and it grew unheeded, and that resulted in 1926's Communist Party uh, fighting against presumed nationalist tendencies within the Communist Party. And so, in 1928, restrictions came into force directly affecting the lifestyle of traditional Kabzars, stopped them from traveling without a passport, from performing without a license, and uh, restrictions were also placed on accommodations that were not registered, 
and also on manufacturing or making banduras without a license. <laughs> like you couldn't you couldn't even make a musical instrument. And then a number of these banduras disappeared about this time. Sure they did. Not real disappearance. <laughs> That's like like KGB disappearance. Yeah. You know. Tried to make them go quietly, and then they just said, you know what? Let's just round them all up, shoot them all for some reason. I, I still, it's still one of those things like, that I can't. Come on. <laughs> it would be the most strange, like, I feel like, I don't know, like, if you saw a movie where that happened, you would, like, on the one level, it would be, like, very horrifying and be like, whoa, like, that's real heavy. Then you're like, why are they all blind street musicians and why do they hate them so much it's a scene i feel like you would have to watch without music to figure out whether it was comedic or or like Mm. morbid or both because if you had john williams for your movie (laughs) for that scene you would feel like this is the most terrible thing to have happened to humanity Mm. if you had danny elfman score your scene (laughs) for that movie you would feel like this is hilarious but it's also bad, I guess. No, I'm going to laugh. That's going to be your reaction. So yeah. it's kind of like, uh, I think I do think a movie needs to be made of it though, because I keep yeah. envisioning it in my head and I can't decide what to do with my emotions. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's the like, thing. I mean, that results just, in laughter, but it's, yeah, like it's just like, I mean, obviously, like persecutions are not fun or happy. But it's just so absurd that you can't help but laugh about it because, like, why? Exactly. I don't understand why it was such an issue, a problem. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. Even after this event in 1934, where they rounded a whole bunch of them up and <laughs> killed them all off, <laughs> Uh, there is a uh, late 30s event uh, under the heading here of Yezo China. Yeah. Throughout the 1930s, uh, banderists were consistently taken in for questioning. Some questioning sessions lasted for months. Uh, many were constantly being harassed by the authorities. Uh incarcerated with relatively light sentences of two to five years for music (laughs) and being blind. Uh, Starting with the 1937 to 1938 sentences, uh, they were often fatal and immediate death by shooting. (laughs) So if you were doing this in 1937 or 1938, a cop could walk up to you on the street and kill you. Wow. I just, well, how is this? Can you imagine living in that world yeah. where you're just walking around the city, you see somebody playing a guitar? I, I mean, I've, I've imagined sudden, them out doing that. Like, there are times where I'm really not in the mood, but I mean, I can't actually envision people like police officers having the right to do that. That's absolutely insane to me. So far, it says the documentation of 41 banderists sentenced to have been shot have been found, uh, with documents attesting to this approximately 100 receiving sentences of between 10 to 17 years in prison. 
uh, after those that were arrested were tortured to obtain a confession. <laughs> confession for being a guy that was blind, playing an instrument. Uh, sentences were pronounced by a troika and was dealt out swiftly within hours or days of the hearing. The families of those that were executed were often told that the banderist had been sent to a camp without the right to correspond. <laughs> oh, that's just cruel. Not that any of this is not cruel, but I mean, like, that's also, <laughs> that's exceptionally yeah. cruel. And it didn't even end in the 30s, because... Oh, uh, how are there any left to... <laughs> In the 50s, a number of banderists also either died or disappeared under strange or unexplained circumstances. Some had accidents, and between 30 and 50 were also deported from Siberia to Siberia from western Ukraine. <laughs> how, are there, how are there even any left? And then by the 1960s, Total Communist Party control of the Bandera art was achieved. <laughs> That's what they were after. They just wanted him for themselves. A period of feminization of the Bandera took place where males were not accepted into conservatory courses to study it. The repertoire of those that played the Bandera underwent a major change from history songs and epics to romantic love and lyric works and transcriptions of classical piano works. Hmm. Oh, but we're not done, because <laughs> guess what? The Soviets and the Tsars of Russia weren't the only ones who hated the Banderists. Oh, no, no. Our friends, the Nazis, they didn't take fondly to them either. Mm. Of course. Uh, yeah, a bunch of prominent Banderists died at the, hand of Nazi, at the hands of Nazis. Okay, this sentence doesn't make sense to me. Soviet sources tried attribute the deaths of numerous Kabzars such as I. What? <laughs> Is that no. a quote from <laughs> No, no, no. It's the first initial of the guy. I. Oh, okay. Kucherenko to the German Nazi occupation. Okay. If it was I, comma, I'd be really confused. I, Kucherenko, how are you here? How are you still talking to us? They tried to attribute the deaths to me. This is the first time I've seen a Wikipedia article go rogue. It's first I've never seen it in first person before. Absolutely nuts. Oh, boy. So there's an entire list of persecuted banderists down here. Um, not many of them have links Probably because, you know, most street musicians aren't, you know, culturally relevant enough to warrant <laughs> shooting, yeah. let alone a Wikipedia article. <laughs> no, strike that. Sorry, that's right. The Wikipedia article thing is the trivial thing there. You know, from all the death and debauchery in this article, I wouldn't have known that. But, <laughs> yes, right. What I meant to say was, if uh, they had, uh, they, they, they don't deserve to be shot because they haven't even gotten a Wikipedia article. Not that they don't deserve a Wikipedia article because they haven't even gotten Right. Yeah. Seems a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, the fact that these are all the ones that were persecuted. And documented. 
Well, here's a fun fact. Here's a fun thing we can do with this article. Let's hit Control F. Okay. And let's hit the word. Let's type shot. Forty-three. Now, only two of those forty-three instances are in the body of the article. The rest all fall underneath the category of list of persecuted banderists. And it does say the documentation of 41 banderists sentenced to be shot have been found. So that's just the ones that we know of. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, uh, have been found with documents attesting to approximately 100 receiving sentences. So this isn't even like half of them. And I have a suspicion that there's probably more than 100 yeah. that received that sentence, especially if they have done things like collecting all of but them. But how are there even 100 Kobzars? I mean, they had a whole <laughs> school for it. They had to keep the doors open <laughs> on that place true. somehow. So, how m- like, My question is, like, how are there that many blind people specifically playing hurdy-gurdies or what have you specifically in Ukraine at that time I don't entirely understand it myself I don't know how all of the blind people found their way (laughs) to that one school in that one country to be able to learn the one instrument that they taught at that one (laughs) school in that one country I just know that it was enough of a problem and it spread so fast (laughs) and annoyed so many people (laughs) to the extent (laughs) That they gather a bunch of blind dudes up and kill them all. Like, I, I just... It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It makes zero, zero sense. Banal and horrific and hilarious. The whole thing. I just don't even understand. I always try to look at this through the lens of if we did this in the modern world where we have the checks and balances of the media of the internet mm. like if if for example let's say putin himself mm-hmm. went out and gathered up any group of people even if it was one as obscure as this like say he gathered <laughs> up all of the fans of the band pussy riot like, <laughs> he, tr- he already has alluded to wanting to do that anyway so um that's not really too far-fetched uh and he just he said that they were having a concert and at that concert, he gathers them all up and kills them. <laughs> like, what kind of reaction would that garner? I, I have to feel like it would be pretty bad. Yeah, that would there would be some outrage there. And I guess the only reason that... I guess part of the reason that this startles me, too, is how easily this particular instance of persecution and mass murder just kind of flew under the radar. Hmm. Uh, I suppose it was a little more acceptable at that point in history to... Yeah, that was, there was some turmoil at that time. Yeah, and you also have things like the Holocaust is gearing up. Yeah. It's getting ready to kill off a bunch more people. Um, so what... Yeah, by the time people found out about all of this, they yeah. probably it was probably already deep into the Holocaust. And yeah. That was definitely overshadowing this because hell of a lot more people die yeah, right that. You're, you, you can't really you can't really downplay something like the holocaust so yeah. you are uh kind of forced to be like well 
I, I guess I guess this these giant group of well, blind people were also executed for music reasons. <laughs> um, Maybe it was just so confusing at the time. People were like, "Wait, what happened? Uh, are you sure that happened? Are you sure that actually can that? How would no you way- not notice that would happen? Like, why? Why would somebody do that? A, yeah. B. No, no, there isn't a B. Like if I think, I, <laughs> why would somebody do that? Pretty much covers my question. Yeah, if if I saw that, I probably wouldn't even believe it. I was like, wait, that didn't just happen. If I must I, yeah. not be getting enough sleep or something. If a guitarist like walked by me in Lancaster and a cop was just like, nah, shot him. <laughs> like, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to pass that off as just kind of like, well. He was playing that guitar real, like, real bad. <laughs> like, that's, not, that's not the first thought that's going to go through my mind, you know? And I don't understand how any leader at any point in history had that happen. I get it. It was yeah. a cultural thing. But after a point, like, it really seems like you were just annoyed. <laughs> like, you were just yeah. annoyed and you had the power to kill people over it, so you did. Like, the only reason I feel like this ever came back like why did banderists spring up so quickly after uh all this persecution was concluded even for a little bit probably just because they felt like oh this is oh this this makes you angry you don't like this <laughs> that you people who took over our country that we don't particularly like you you get annoyed whenever we have culture oh okay well look at all our culture you're okay with it now right you're okay with it you're okay with it they're just kind of like showboating after yeah. a bit weren't they I could I could totally see that just like being sort of a a snide, <laughs> underhanded way of kind of like poking the beast, yeah. poking the hand that feeds you a little bit. Although I must say, if I was a person who was playing music on the streets and I was having a good time, then I started hearing, "Hey, do you know that they're shooting and killing a lot of you guys, specifically you that you're like you know that." thing that you're doing and the person that you are, I'll be like, oh, okay. Packing up my guitar. Right. I'm gonna leave. Not ever going to play it again. Forget that. Like, okay, it was nice doing this, but no, I'm done now. I have I have a survival instinct. There are plenty of other jobs out there. Right. Like, I, don't, I don't need to do this. Like, even if I'm blind, I'll be like, okay, I I mean, I guess there's no real good, like, written language for blind people. I guess I'll, just, I'll go make one of those. Yeah. Uh, or, like, <laughs> At that point in history, you can totally, like, there were plenty yeah. of things you still could have done. I mean, granted, not, like, many, but there's other yeah. instruments. If they really don't like you for <laughs> walking around, being a blind dude, playing a hurdy-gurdy, all you gotta do is be a blind guy walking around not playing the hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> you have accordions, yeah. you have harmonicas, can guitars. Play classical music on a piano. Yeah. At it's, a concert hall. Exactly. You can do anything. You have to... I don't want to. I can't say what I was going to say because of blindness reasons. Mm. But uh, I was going to say uh, you can't narrow your your vision. Uh, um, but you, you can sometimes. <laughs> I, I think you can. I think you didn't need your vision in the first place. So you can, if you're innovative enough to have lived it, lived your life long enough uh, in a world that I'm sure was far more primitive and brutal. Yeah. You can probably afford to, to drop the hurdy-gurdy. I mean, if you're talking about strictly music that banderists are playing, like, that's one thing, but if there are people who are playing any instrument, like, 
instruments that won't identify them so easily. I think you got I think you got it made. You can probably yeah. probably get away with something there. Man. I can't believe how much of a trip this article still is. Yeah. Even after well, all we, these We didn't really get a chance to dive into it too much the first time around. It's true. We just kind of uh We just saw it and we were like, What? How did this even happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh it's still not any more sense making Nope. Sure isn't. It doesn't even sort of compute. But uh you know, I'm glad we had a chance to revisit it. It's still something I definitely I wanna I wanna see a movie made about this. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just can't I need it. Yeah. I need it to be able to wrap my mind around it the rest of the way. I feel like maybe the Coen brothers could do it. I, I think they the do have that dark good. comedy sensibility. Yeah, yeah like every, like We're, an after reading is yeah. a great example of that. And in um, like Fargo, like things are still like upsetting, but there's also a lot of comedy in it, so I think they could pull off the right tone for exactly. it. If, if not directing, at least writing it. Right. And um, I hate to say it, but I, I legitimately want a director to come in and be like, and to tell me how I should feel <laughs> about this. That's where I'm at. I'm so emotively exhausted yeah. from the prospect that I'm just like, well, you know, forget it. Somebody else yeah. decide. I can't. I can't. Uh, it's overloading my circuits. I'm just. I'm just done. Woof. Yeah, it's too much for one person to handle. What a weird. What a weird event. What a weird thing for them to do. Yeah. People. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, there you have it, people. From dragon warrior monsters to persecuted banderists, once again. And, yeah, so if you enjoyed this, you can visit facebook.com slash twcpodcast and give us a like and follow. You can also head over to iTunes and rate and review us. And you can find new episodes on our website at twc.eriktrivia.com. And I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and also for our outro song this time. So thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. I'm so pleased to find our way back. I joked about that. I joked about that a lot. But I didn't think through a video game of all things we come back here. Yeah. Just pre- It just goes to show that Wikipedia is never that far away <laughs> from what you want to get at. Yeah, we didn't even go through that many articles. Like six? Yeah. Something like that. It was Dragon Monster, Warrior, whatever, then Eidos, then List of Eidos Games, Yep. then Hurdy Hurdy, then Hurdy Gurdy, <laughs> then this. Yep. That's, yep, that's pretty good. And the title of our episode, if we leave the two out, Dragon Warrior Monsters Persecuted Bandists. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Best episode title in history. Yes. Also a movie I would not see being made. <laughs> I, would, I would like to see I would like to see that. Oh, somebody needs to do it.